G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. It takes time and then, you know, verification as well, because a financial relationship, that was another big lesson is that is different. It's really not. But I, I had never I've never been married before. So I had never lived in a relationship where it was a financial relationship to where that person could destroy your entire everything you've ever built and the roof over your head and taken away the ability for you to go buy a house and move into it. And, and just because they're mad, you know, and um, in a uh, dating relationship, I had never been in that situation because it's like, well, it just doesn't work. You just kind of go your separate ways in a business partnership. It very much so is a financial relationship. And so taking that time to verify, and I'm happy to teach anyone listening to this, how to verify, because they don't teach you that in school. They don't teach you that in real estate. Nobody knows. It's just because I have a security company that I've figured it out. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today's show. 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kayla McMahon, aka The Apartment Queen. And Kayla has developed the number one female-focused multifamily investment firm, and she is on a mission to create 1 billion, that's right, 1 billion she-vests by the time of 2030. And to top it all off, Kayla has been featured on hundreds of podcasts, blogs, news outlets, preaching to her mission of change across the world. So I'm really pumped and excited to have her on the show today to share her incredible insights, her background, and her experience but enough out of me. Let's get her out here. G'day, Kaylee. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me, Reed. I'm uh, doing okay. Like I, we talked before the call, I feel really uh, on top of things right now, which is never the case. So uh, at peace, I suppose, is a better way to say it. Good today. That's that's awesome. Well, look, I can't help but get on any um, social media platform without seeing your, your face. Uh, and I listen to all your messages, which is freaking awesome. But before we get into your mission and helping a billion she investors by the time of 2030. Can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? I think, you know, no one's ever asked me that. I think it was in third grade. I was selling a package of uh, bookmarks that obviously I handmade and then uh, gel pens. So basically the gel pens was minus the effort. So essentially marking up something else. So the yeah, so bookmarks, and then then it was gel pens for like another uh, so odd, so many odd cent, twenty percent profit or whatever it was. Um, yeah, we'd buy them from Costco, bring them to school. Third grade is uh, is pretty entrepreneurial of you at such a young age. So so well done. Until they shut That's me awesome. down. Way to, way to, way to go, <laughs> Catholic school. They don't let you do anything. <laughs> hey, I went to a Catholic school as well. It was uh, very much like. Yeah. Repent against your sins. And I'm like, I'm seven. I don't know what I've done. I've been mean to my sister. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a whole, whole show, another topic for a show. But walk us through your upbringing and how you've come to build apartmentqueen.com, your, your massive platform that you're preaching across the world about helping she vesters, people, women, I should say, who are in need of a bit of a leg up uh, and, and helping them trying to find financial independence. But before, before that, walk us through your upbringing and how it led you down the path of becoming an entrepreneur. So, I mean, that's a really good question. Specifically, how it led me directly to here, it wasn't, you know, it was never a straight line, right? But something I wasn't aware of when I was really young that I became, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. when you look back and you go, oh, that's what that was. And sometimes I, I was also brought up in an environment where you do as you're told, you don't ask questions, uh, your parents are the authority figures, you're not a human being. And because of that, obviously, uh, a lot of words, I was, uh, I grew up to believe words versus now as an adult, I've had to unlearn all of that and look at actions. Someone says words, it kind of doesn't mean much, but really the actions speak for everything. Um, And back in the day, I I wasn't paying attention to looking back at actions in my past memories. I realized as a young kid, you know, in our house, uh, this, this, really insidious thing now that women deal with constantly. So 98% of women who are in a domestic abuse situation are financially abused as well, which I guess is very insidious because you don't realize it's happening, but that's like all of them, hundred percent. So, and then there's other abuse uh, types that women go through, uh, whether it's verbal, et cetera, that also lead into financial abuse. And it's really just like a control mechanism to make sure that we are not in full control of our, our actions, our movements, our words, our destiny, what we wear. I mean, there's a variety of of things here. So as a kid, um, when it came to my first job, for example, uh, at 16, 15 or so, uh, we, I was a lifeguard and we had to have a ACH or a, a bank account to be able to take our uh, paychecks uh, into that bank account because we didn't, we did direct deposit at the time. 
Um, and I remember my, my female boss, um, my father at the time, uh, would not let me get a bank account. It's like, no, you cannot have one. And so I walked me, I took him to work and I was like, we have to do this. It's a company policy. And my boss ended up really giving him the up and down. I was like, look, if she, if you want to open one for her, I'll open up one for her. This is ridiculous, you know? And so that was the first time I ever saw a woman stand up to a man and tell him that, no, you're, you're going to take care of your kid and set up. I didn't know that was care either at the time. Um, but not having access to a bank account when I'm the one earning the money, that's a complete control mechanism. And that was something that was totally common in my family and common in my household. Again, looking back, um, very much financial abuse. Uh, and on top of that, you know, being able to learn about what is investing. So there was investing happening in my household at the time, but none of the women. So I'm the oldest of five kids and four of us are girls. My mother is also a woman. And a saint by the sounds of it with five kids. <laughs> I wish she was, unfortunately. Not. Okay, um, okay. We'll get into that another time, but keep right. going, keep going. Um, but, but the environment was very much that women were not allowed to be empowered. They were not allowed to have fun, uh, freedom. We were allowed to have financial freedom. And even so, for example, um, I didn't realize this until looking back and listening to other women. How do we emotionally feel about money? And like, what does our feelings attached to money dictate in our actions? Because a lot of people um, behave by their their emotions, including myself. I'm trying to unlearn that, but um, so, you know, emotionally afraid of money or uncomfortable with it, or we don't feel deserving or we don't understand it, or we really, in this situation for me, put it in a box I did where it was like, that's not for me. That's, that's not my thing. So, um, this adoptive father of mine at the time, uh, would trade stocks, day trade in his office and lock the door. And I remember, um, you know, like, what are you doing in there? I just want to come and like sit and like eat an avocado and like watch you like a kid watches their parent. And it was like, no, you can't come in here. And I remember somehow figuring out what he was doing in there. And again, put that in a box in my mind. Well, I guess stocks and investing is not for me. I guess that's not meant for me. And there, there are many other things as a child that I was told that always will stick in my mind. Um, I got accepted into NASA space camp. Uh, I think it's six years old. Uh, and I was told I wasn't smart enough to do it. So I'm not going to go. Um, there were a lot of things as a child. Uh, I'd be a bad mother. There's a slew of things that I was told and was experiencing as a kid that was totally disempowering. So again, looking back at those things, somehow there was still this like fight uh, in my soul or in my, I think, and now as an adult, I'm looking at it, I'm realizing it's, it's a light. There's this incredible amount of um, bright light and it's love inside of me is, is what is there. And no matter how evil the universe is and no, how to, no matter what people do to me throughout my life, they can't stomp that light out. They might try, but if it, you know, so that's, that's really a part of who I am in uh, learning that now and learning that's why I continue to push and try to find other ways around it to figure out what I could do to feel free and to feel empowered. And for me, it just ended up being that real estate ended up being a vehicle for me to be able to do that, specifically get out of a lifestyle that I was living that was not conducive or wasn't serving me to be able to help to live freedom and peace, which is who I really admire or uh, aspire to be. And so being able to be alone in a clean space and start over and think for myself instead of listening to uh, those five people around you that at the time were very negative influences and start over and unlearn a lot of that was, was how I, I got started. And that came from a little bit of cash flow from some rentals that I had um, and being able to be on my own. So it was, you know, that was the, the upbringing and then the, the fire's always been there. And um, I recently met my um, my biological father a few years ago. And so that person is so much like me, like it's over the top. Like he was also adopted as well. So I was adopted, didn't know him. He was adopted as well. But both of us definitely have this um, 
thing where we have a lot of passion for life and a lot of passion for being able to feel free. Um, and a lot of people don't like that. They, they want to control you and, and stamp that out of you. So both of us, so I guess a little bit of him was in me while I was trying to find my way all my life. I don't even know where to start then. There's so many questions. I was just madly writing down, like one thing that I've written down is toxic, toxic environment, like growing up. And it's, I have fortunate that I didn't come from that. Um, how hard was that to change and to keep pushing through when you constantly be told, no, 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 you're not good enough, you're not good enough? Like, because at some point, particularly as a young adult, you, you can, you'd crack, right? Like, there's only so many no's you can get until you're like, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe I can't do it. Like, what, what piece of advice can you give to those people out there listening who, who, who come from that environment, who want to break that mold? Because, I'm sure it's more common than a lot of people talk about. And, and that's where your message I love so much. But, but talk to me about how you were able to keep going through because keep getting knocked down, keep getting knocked down. There's only a certain amount of time before you just, you, you'll stay down. You know, um, it's not something that I would have known to do, you know, at seven years old, eight years old, nine years old. I was fortunate in one regard that growing up my mom's mom she's very much like me where we're very curious. We're like, like, if you can see this picture of me in my house of me as a baby, I'm like this, like, I'm just curious, you know, like a little tiny kid is always like touching things and putting things in their mouth and trying to, you know, and I stay that way as a human. I'm a very, uh, I'm a lifelong learner. So that's just a natural skill set that I have, you know, not everybody has that. So I've always, regardless of the nose or the whatever, I'm like, well, there's got to be something out there. But my grandmother, who is my mom's mom, due to some things that happened in her family, she ended up turning the power dynamic in the couple where she was in charge, basically. And, and it's not in it for healthy reasons or whatever, but that's just how the dynamic worked. And because of that, she was able to kind of do whatever she wanted to do. And so that's not normal in my family, but, you know, Papa messed up. And so anyway, the dynamic changed. And so for her, uh, she was inquisitive into my life and wondering, like, you know, what's going on with your dad. And like, I, I like, she would see things and ask, she didn't know how to ask the hard questions, which I wish she would have, but she did know how to be there for me. So I would probably spend every other weekend at my grandparents' house. Um, and we'd always go, you know, watch movies and uh, we quilted together and painted and did a lot of activities that really, uh, I did Irish dance and did a lot of sports growing up. So I had a lot of energy that was used to do things, you know, create things, or, or dance or play sports or whatever. So she was always very supportive in getting me to certain things like that. Um, and she was always asking me like, how are you doing? How are you doing? What are you working on? What's next? You know, and even that maintained all the way throughout uh, into, into high school and college. Um, like my parents never asked me about my grades. They were like, you can fail. And we don't, we really don't care. You know, you don't go to college. We don't care. So, but just because I'm a, like a curious person, I would, and I didn't even care about grades, but I would, I would want to figure the puzzle out. And that's just how my brain works. And so I would, I didn't have great grades. I think I had like a B plus, A minus average or something like that, but enough to get into college, you know? Um, and then, uh, so my grandma always just kind of believed in me. So she always, long story short, would just touch base and say, how are you doing? And what are you doing? She would never judge or tell me what to do or give me advice. Uh, every once in a while, she'd say, this happened to me. And that's how she gave advice instead of like telling you what to do. It was like, well, this is what I saw. So take it take it or leave it, you know? Um, so I never felt judged and I was always able to very much so open up to her even later on in life, as I dealt with a lot of the, the residual abuse from my childhood and legally dealing with it as an adult, 
I was able to open up to her about what was going on. And it was very painful for her to listen to, but she never strayed. She never left my side. She never questioned me. She always allowed me to take care of myself. And so that was always, you know, she just planted that seed that somebody out there on the planet believed that I could do stuff. So I was like, well, grandma thinks so. So I'm good. Like the rest of you guys can suck, but grandma thinks I'm great. So that's all that matters. So I would say if you're in a family or an environment where there's nobody like that for you, it's okay to have external people in your life that also will be like that for you. So sometimes I've got friends in like youth group at church and there may be a youth minister there, or even if it's allowed, it wasn't allowed in my family. If I wanted to go to a friend's house to be with their family, to see their dynamic and their religion, that was never allowed for me. But if you can experience of their family dynamics. Sometimes, you know, another, you're a female, maybe the mother of that family can, can be kind of like, not a mentor, but kind of, you know, to you, mm. you just need one person in, in the world that's, that thinks you're awesome. And then um, keep asking a lot of questions and you can figure things out. Well, I think being curious is is the nature of most entrepreneurs, right? Like we're, we're, we're always constantly looking to ask ourselves more, do more, push, you know, keep scaling the next mountaintop, whatever that might be. But that's, um, it's definitely incredible to hear the story and how you kept moving forward. And, and kudos to your grandma for not judging because so many people can judge, right, in those you know, positions of power and to reframe the question and, and sort of use it as like, a, well, this is what happened to me, right? And it's such a good way of communicating. Uh, and even I know that, like being a male, like, you know, you don't want to be like explaining it to someone. This is how you got to be done. It's like, no, but this is what happened to me in the past. And maybe you can take some lessons from that or not. So um, let's pivot to that first rental property. You mentioned that was a real key moment in creating the success that you built to today. So how did that come about? Like, and and, and what age were you? And, and, and maybe walk us through some of the numbers, because that is such a key moment in so many investors' lives is getting to that point of, I can do this on my own. It's mine. I proved it to myself. Yeah, I think uh, right before that. So I kind of took massive action all at one time because I was just like ready to ready to roll, you know, and I didn't have a lot of money, but um, I did have a retirement account from a, um, a past job that was my little three and a half year bout in corporate um, America, building uh, dental practices for doctors and doing their supply business. But um, when I did that, uh, the IRA uh, was like three and a half, three and a half K, something like that. But um, I couldn't invest into anything with that little of an amount. However, there was a way to invest in like a syndicated house note, essentially. And I was like, so I can do it with like 5K, right? And they're like, yeah. So I just added some in there and then I still get 8% a month. I mean, on 8% on nothing, but you know, and then plus the IRA fees is just ridiculous. But point is, is I was able to start seeing those checks or payments happen in my account where it was real, where I was like, oh, I'm literally not doing anything. I'm not working. I could be at the beach right now. This is real. This isn't a joke, you know? So that was the first moment where I, again, just saw that it was real. So when it's real, then it becomes for me an addiction. And at the same, very same time, I was experimenting with flipping a house and that flip was not something like I wanted it because I went, I actually had surgery. I went to Australia by myself for about two weeks. I lived in a camper van. It was like a small SUV actually uh, for about two weeks and driving down from uh, Brisbane or Byron Bay to Brisbane to Melbourne, like all the way down, all the way back. Um, I listened to a lot of audiobooks. So one was Rich Dad Poor Dad. Another one was Cashflow Quadrant. Another one. And it was enough information for me to go, oh, okay. I get it. I got to have the four greenhouses to have the big red hotel or, or maybe it's the opposite, but this makes sense. So eventually I need to scale up the number of units, but you need equity, you need experience, you need some other things to be able to do it. Uh, or at least that was my thought process at the time because I was, 
on my own. And, and that has even this year become something I just finally just gave up. I was like, I'm not on my own anymore. I'm going to ask for help from everybody. I'm going to bug everybody until, until we, we collaborate and figure it out. But until then, my entire life, I've always thought, do things you know by yourself, figure it out by yourself. So I came back from Australia going, okay, so I'm ready. Let's flip a house. Let's uh, take some of the income that I have from my um, leasing job at the time. And then it became, let's uh, do retail sales as a, a real estate agent. Let's take some of that money and let's let's flip a house. So I thought you'd have to have 20% down, et cetera. And I mean, if you really want to talk about the way we did it, I'm not going to use any names, but um, I had somebody in my network that uh, flipped lots of houses in a certain community like lots of houses. So I was, go, I was going, okay, they've got to know the, the contractors. They've got to know where the materials are coming from, uh, all the things. But my brain is extremely organized. I'm not into the details, but as far as knowing what's in each compartment and knowing the order of them, like for sure, I, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm in order. So um, I was hoping that person would be able to help me with, you know, the itemized list of what each, what each room needs, you know, like what all that stuff. Not so much, but uh, point is, is uh, that person uh, flipped a lot in that community. So they're very aware of what was going on. They're like, well, I've got this like crack house down the street that I just bought for like 15K, want it for like 20. And um, I'm like, yeah, but I don't have any, I don't have the money for it, you know? So he's like, we'll figure it out. But um, I did not want a man to sign on my loan, my note. I did not want, I did, I wanted to do it by myself because I had seen in my past that if I ever asked a guy to do something for me financially, there was always a, a payday for him. There was always something that was expected of me, whether it was explained or not, there was always going to be that. So I just was like, I don't want to deal with that. And now in, in today's world, if you ask me, that's not the case. You know, there's, there's certain men out there that definitely are just good people and they just want to do what they say they're going to do or just do business. It's not you know, that they have to leverage something to get something out of a woman. But anyway, this was someone that wanted just to help me and I couldn't see it. I couldn't uh, digest that I was worth a uh, worthy enough to even like, so say, say if he had ulterior motives, that doesn't matter. If I sign a contract and I hold the person to accountability or accountable for, for what we signed and what we're doing and here's the structure of our relationship and whatever, then, then that's it. You know, I don't know them anymore. And so uh, part of it is holding people accountable and not letting them try things, you know, but um, I was kind of forced into this situation where this really great opportunity came up and I didn't have the cash yet. And when I found enough cash to get it done, the bank had said, well, we need you to have about three more months of income with your real estate job. You are doing a great job making more money, uh, but we just need more, three more months. And this friend was like, you don't have three months. Like that house is going to go like this week, you know? So good deals like this don't pop up out of nowhere, you know? So with, against my knowledge, they actually went to the bank without me and uh, the banker that does all their deals with them, tons of them, they have a great relationship. And when this person needed a leg up in life, that banker gave them their first shot to get back into the real world and be able to be honest and do the right thing. And he had done tons of it with that banker. So the banker actually allowed him to sign on the loan um, under my name as a guarantor, essentially, without me knowing. And then basically, he just like handed me uh, all the contracts and said, I just need you to execute these. Uh, you're, you're, it's a done deal. What we did was we ended up figuring out a way to make the single family property a commercial property by putting it in a line of lock, a line of credit instead of a mortgage. Um, and so you only owe like 2.5% down or whatever. And they'll also finance the CapEx in it too. So 
Uh, I think it ended up being uh, 70,000 worth of stuff that went into the house or so. And um, I ended up putting down a total because I had to add more at one point. Um, a total of, I think six to 7,000, like a total wow. of the whole thing. So, I mean, I didn't even know that was possible. And even now, like general wise, the way that people talk about things, you still wouldn't know that's possible, but anything is, if you know the right people. So that was something that I just kind of got into. And again, didn't really know what I was doing as far as, you know, putting a matrix together and sitting down with the team and telling them, this is what I expect. And I, you know, this is how you're going to get paid. And uh, so there was a lot of chaos and, and heartache for me for like, I think six to seven months or so. It was a lot longer than I expected. I thought it was three months in and out, but no, we had to redo everything. We had to redo literally, we left the studs, but we did everything from the top to the bottom. And so I ended up long story short, doing a bad foundation job, having to rent it to somebody for a while. He was a wonderful tenant for like three years. And then um, ended up getting in there, adjusting the foundation and, um, and selling it. But um, I actually had to sell it. And not that, not that you asked this part of it. I made about 20% profit and I sold it. Not great, right? Compared to multifamily, but at least I made a profit because there was an attorney that stole all my settlement money from another um, situation that I was getting out of. And to be able to pay for my living for, I think I stretched that out for like seven to nine months or something like that because I don't live that expensively. Um, I had to liquidate that house. And so thank God that somebody put me in the position to be able to have the equity and to be able to have something of my own to be able to take care of myself when I needed to. So it ended up being a, a like a, a lots of lessons, but like a really over overall um, great thing to have in my life. Wow. Wow. Where do we even start there? That's, that's, that's awesome. And kudos to the guy who helped you get that first I'm so thankful to them. Like I always am like, if you guys need social media promotion, because they build a lot of houses now, they've switched their model. And, you know, one of them's married and their kids are always like building the houses and stuff. And it's so cute. And anyway, like anything that they need, I'm like, I'm so incredibly grateful for you seeing things in me as an entrepreneur that I didn't even see in myself. Uh, So yeah, Mm. I second that. No, those little moments in life help you know that people are real. And there are good people out there, right? Not everyone's a piece of shit. Uh, trying to, which in real estate, there's a lot of people who are those people. They want a quick paycheck, you know, and and you don't you be a felon and be in real estate. There's, it's it's not like when you're in the tech world, you have to have a, a high um, high level of degree and and knowledge to be able to be in tech, for example. So I've noticed people in that industry are much different. Uh, real mm. estate is 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 a you can find a lot of bottom feeders if you're not careful. You, you can you can. I do notice more and love love single family resi under four units. But when you get into the commercial side, it's bigger dollars. People can be sued. Uh, at least in my experience has been like they're just a li- the caliber's gone from here to like a little bit higher. So, um, but now let's pivot to what you're creating today and tell me about the community of women you're bringing and empowering together to educate them about things that maybe they don't know a lot about in terms of syndications and multifamily and financial IQs and freedoms and all the stuff. What are you doing? And, and, and maybe walk us through the hierarchy of the education system, um, you know, the ecosystem that you've built in order to help, you know, 30, what did I say, was it a billion, billion women since two, um, between now and 2030, which is only like eight years away. So walk me through that. <laughs> yeah, so... Life throws you things. And for me, uh, my first crowdfunding offering uh, got shut down, you know, by FINRA, 
because actually it was the platform that shut it down, but it was FINRA's recommendation uh, because I hired an attorney that essentially um, left a lot of stuff out of my form C. So normally we do uh, reg D or form D uh, regulated offerings with an exemption with the SEC. And this is different. It's crowdfunding. So I hired a reg D attorney to do a reg C uh, did a horrible job and it got flagged for fraud. And essentially someone else was still threatening me at the time. And so they saw that as an opportunity to, to, to like say, Hey, even, even though that this was an old case, that doesn't mean anything anymore. I'm going to like start threatening people. So they're like, well, to, to err on the side of, you know, uh, caution, let's just shut it down. So that took, you know, lots of money and seven months of my life that I put that together because I really passionately care about getting, myself in my early 20s, like I think I was 23 or so when I had that first passive investment in um, that house note, that was my first um, experience with getting passive income. And so I wanted women to be able to access that, but in multifamily, which is as stable as you get, you know what I mean? And it's, it's something that just will never go away. I don't, I don't think unless we start living in bubbles or something, I don't know, uh, on Mars, you know, I don't know. But point is, is um, it's something that also is tangible. It makes sense. Women understand housing. It's just, is like the perfect thing to say, what if you could invest into an apartment for $5,000? So that's what the crowdfunding offering is allowing me to do, lower the barrier to entry and make it to where you don't miss out on that compound interest curve your whole life and wait until you're 50 and your IRA finally has 50,000 in it or whatever. So uh, that got shut down. What happens is when a door closes, a couple of windows open. So in that situation, uh, those windows came from very intelligent women who kind of woke me up and said, look, don't play the victim, wake up, go on vacation and start thinking about what is your mission and purpose and how can you bridge that gap? Because remember, Kaylee, or people out there, um, in 2020, uh, the amount of accredited households in the United States increased 12%. So that means 88% of everybody else doesn't qualify as accredited. And there are so many offerings that you don't have access to as an unaccredited uh, investor. We do have the ability to help sophisticated investors. But anyway, point is, is um, there's just a big gap of people that don't understand what I'm doing, that don't, that can't apply for it. That again, they would say like I did to myself with stocks, like this just isn't for me. Like this is not going to be part of my life. And that's really not cool, you know? I've noticed a big, um, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, imbalance, if you will, between who makes up the uh, commercial multifamily industry uh, as executives and board members and those individuals. Why, why is it so unbalanced where the number one, one of the, the largest wealth building industries ever um, is is mostly like white dudes? You know what I mean? Like, why is that the case? Like, why can't my my Haitian friend you know, be an executive. Why can't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they can't, but it's just, it's just not normal. You know, hundred no, percent. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> so what, what do I do to change that? So, so getting that door closed and those, those windows opened, it kind of gave me this frame of mind that it's like, well, you got to bridge that, that large gap of those 88% of people that first of all, like they have bad credit or they don't understand how to balance a checkbook or they don't understand how to get out of crushing debts. So they could have some cash flow to start investing 5k or whatever it is. Or even when they go, okay, I've got some money to invest, but in in high school and college, they didn't teach me about the property ladder. How do I go from single, multi, you know, all, all the way up to fund manager, whatever it is, how do I ride the property ladder and create generational wealth for my family? Like no one teaches you that. So uh, this became a thought in my head that why don't we create an ecosystem to take someone from wherever they are in their financial journey all the way up to uh, being able to passively invest a large amount of money into a multifamily, or if they were on the active side, go go towards being a fund manager full time, depending on what your skill set is and your time and all that. But um, so this is just property or real estate related. 
So to do that, we've had to be collaborative and I've had to ask for help and partner with other female owned businesses where we're partnered, for, for example, with financial literacy for her, a credit repair organization, um, a debt coach who personally works with you one-on-one to be able to, within about a year, uh, get you out of debt and get you to some cash flow, even without changing your income level. Um, and then uh, be able to understand when you have to, because I don't have time to teach all this. I'm just like the person that offers some apartment investments. And so again, I only normally apply to like 12% of people where they understand like they just get it. The rest of people don't. So point is, is how do we partner with all these other organizations where no matter where you're at in your literacy journey, your financial literacy journey, you can then bridge that gap and get to the place where if you wanted to, you could invest in apartments with us. Um, so that's really part of or where the ecosystem came from. The idea never wasn't my own, of course, but to where it was just, it's, it's solving a problem that everyone seems to not care about because you know, in real estate, we get paid well, we really do. And so that's another reason why we're not high tech either is because we don't see the necessity of it because we're like, well, we can find the ways to plug the boat holes and and the workarounds and all that to get away with stuff and to still close, but it is absolutely painful and full of fraud. And, you know, it doesn't, it's not accessible to everyone, but no one seems to care. So I just, I care. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to readgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you'll automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to readgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. No, well, that's, well, I love that you explained all the different aspects of the things that people, someone in that 88% would need to qualify in terms of bad credit, financial literacy, understanding debt, uh, but also then being self-aware enough to understand you don't have to be the person to educate them. You don't have to do everything, right? You can find other organizations out there, women-run organizations that help empower other women, and you can partner with them, and you can be sort of in your lane, if that makes sense, you know, to apartment syndications and providing that as the service, hopefully that they get through all these other awesome tools to get to, you know, the end result where they can actively invest with you. Um, are you actively raising on a reg, is it reg A right now, to allow unaccredited investors to invest as for as little as $5,000? We've got a um, Reg D for accredited only, and then that's been live for a couple of months. And then um, my Form C was just uh, approved at, uh, from FINRA yesterday. We finally refiled a whole new one and scrapped everything. And sent, you know, it's been like months of this. I think it started in October. So um, we redid the whole offering, and I found, uh, found a new attorney who's actually a lobbyist um, in in Washington D.C. Elizabeth Carter Esquire. Um, they're like on the cutting edge of, of blockchain, uh, the DeFi industry, everything that's happening with crowdfunding. Um, so when I am looking into these other technologies and things that I'm, I am doing with smart contracts, et cetera, like they're already up on all of it too. So, and she's a woman that really loves like empowering African-American ladies. So that's what her whole staff is full of and, uh, really loves what we're doing too. So she's just, uh, and she's extremely detailed. She does not like in the reg D world, you kind of get people to sign off on like, hey, you're you're smart enough or you have enough money. So if something goes wrong, you can't come after me. Like just sign mm-hmm. here, sign here. I can take as much money from you as I want and no one gives a rip as long as you sign. You know, we don't really care about you. We don't care about your family. I'm not going to like 
verify you as an investor that, you know, and cap your investment, for example. So the way that FINRA looks at these crowdfunding offerings, very different. There's actually, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm making a PowerPoint right now for an IRA company that I'm presenting at on Thursday, where it walks you through all of, um, depending on your liquidity and your net worth, you're capped at a certain amount of investment uh, for this type of offering. So Yep. Um, so it's just, it's very different uh, that they they were really like we want to protect these unsophisticated unaccredited individuals like your grandma uh, and make sure that you know that they're not losing everything if things go wrong. Yep. What is that cap, by the way? I know it, I thought it was ten percent of your net worth, isn't it? It is. I would screen share if I could. Okay. So for example, if your uh, if either your net worth or your income is below one hundred and seven thousand dollars, the investor may invest up to five percent of the higher number income or net worth. Um, note that anyone can invest at least 2200 per 12 month period so anyone can do that and no one who is uh, and no one who is not accredited can invest more than 107 so that is the end all be all cap so then there's a chart that I've got here that basically breaks down like if your annual income was 30k to 1.2 million you'd be able to invest 2200 up to 107,000 so I don't know if that simplifies it but that's the way yeah. funding works interesting and that's all through the non accredited uh, platform, correct? Yeah, non-accredited and non-sophisticated. Like you can just, like, yep. so it's like the same thing as if you were, uh, I have some examples of other platforms. If you've ever heard of, let's see, uh, GoFundMe or yep. uh, AngelList or CatBridge or um, anyway, any, any of those type of places. Where yeah. typically, it's, typically it's for like a tech company that needs some seed money or pre-seed funding. But the way that in 2020 in March that the uh, regulations were changed is that crowdfunding was no longer capped at a million seven or million seventy because you got to pay the platform. It's really crazy. It's it's now capped at five million. So now we're able mm. to buy the X what we could, and so then it started making more sense to do it for real estate deals. All right. Awesome. Well, look. As we come to the towards, towards the end of every show, I like to ask where you're headed in the next this year personally, and then what do you want the company to grow into? I think we've already defined the 2030 vision, but what does the rest of this year got in store for you? So this year we're in April now. So personally, where I'm at right now is working on being very clear about who I am. So okay. we think we know, but we're just a reflection of our environment. We're a reflection of our past a lot of the time. And so really I've had to go into my subconscious to really go like, who is baby Kaylee? Like really, what is that little girl like? Because there's nothing wrong with being a little girl. I was innocent. I was curious before like the adult world said you had to behave like this or be like this or dress like this or whatever, you know, what would you really want? Okay. I love being in the woods. I love traveling. I love, you know, uh, get back to that place where I feel uh, just not suffocated. So um, sometimes uh, I have the ability to actually totally pivot my life, uh, the way that I live, my lifestyle, et cetera, to shed all of the distractions and all of the stuff that you sometimes, not always, but you sometimes will associate like my car or my job or my children or my whatever is me. And that's not you, that's your environment. So really right now it's focusing on getting down to that place uh, also regaining uh, total self-confidence. I've gotten very confident in business because of a lot of the troubles or a lot of the challenges that I've been through because you, you get through hmm. that. You're like, oh my God, my legs are still attached. Yeah, what do you got? Bring it on. You know what I mean? Like it really doesn't bother me anymore, but personally a little bit different. And so part of that has to do with loving myself. Uh, there's certain personal struggles that I've really had to keep digging and digging and realizing that deep down there's things there that I didn't even know were there. And part of my journey involves for me, 
revolving, uh, or sorry, uh, keeping people around me that can help me with the observer perspective of looking at me and giving me feedback. Like, what is the gap between who I think I am and what you're observing on the outside? Some of us have these automatic reactions to things or triggers or just behaviors that like, I don't think about going to the bathroom. I just go, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things that you do. And so I want other people to kind of keep me accountable for like, Hey, sometimes you get really loud or sometimes, you know what I mean? Because I really want Mm. to change other people's lives. And so being able to be uh, completely self-aware of who I am, why I love myself and what effect I have on the direct environment that I put myself into. Um, I want to be able to walk into any room and just have everybody's head turn and be like, Oh my God, she made me feel better. She made me feel more self-worthy. She made me feel like I could do it. She, I mean, like that's the kind of impact that I want to have on the world. So it starts here, right? So that's mm. my personal journey. The next, you know, so many odd months, I don't know how long it's going to take. Could be forever because we always change. I don't know. In business, then it's, it's right now, it's trying to figure out how to scale because I've never done this before. I've never truly been able to say, hey, let's break down my business by profit categories and where they come from and uh, who's, uh, who's butts in the right seat that's in control of that exact revenue stream. Uh, they're better at that thing than me. And I would go to a bank and say, okay, here's exactly what we make and how we do it. Um, and if you gave me $10 million, here's what we could do with that in you know 12 months. So that's really the, the trajectory we're on right now, trying to work on doing that with my operating business because there's several like small businesses that kind of feed into that, like a, a book and a podcast that's got commercials and uh, some sponsorships. And our Women Who Invest group is a subscription-based service. We do want to scale that and probably franchise it. There's several income streams that feed into, you know, the parent company or operating company for apartment queen investments, including, you know, management fees from the deals and stuff like that. But um, we do want to, to create a real company that's scaled and uh, to kind of like take myself out of the business. And <laughs> so, you can tra- so you can travel more? Travel. And then really, <laughs> um, there's some things like I applied to go back to school to get a master's in uh, data science and uh, artificial mm. intelligence. I'm really passionate about accountability, justice, and making sure that people know, because I've had to go through things where once you're able to show them like, I see. <laughs> what you did here. I see what you did here. They stop threatening you. They leave you alone because they're like, oh, I can't, I can't criminalize this person. I can't threaten mm-hmm. them. I can't go after them because they like, if, if this was to go into a court of law, slam dunk case, like, like I am a felon, you know what I mean? But I haven't been caught yet for all that. So that's something I've created for women. And I do want to see myself kind of take this women who invest group and bring in, I've talked to a few um, attorneys and individuals who work with cybersecurity and some in the, in the government space to where we have this solid group of people that like when someone threatens one of us, it's like, bring it on. You know what I mean? We have a network to handle this. And partially what I want to do is kind of, yeah, stay in the background, um, make sure that over time that the um, the vision and the mission and the values of our company stays the same. So if we were to eventually get bought out, I do want to kind of do like a Mark Zuckerberg thing and kind of stay on the board and make sure that the mission, vision, value stays the same. Um, but really when someone messes or messes around with one of the women that we empower and put forward in these different MSAs uh, or uh, metro statistical areas of Texas is where we're starting. Um, We just want the power team here, here, here. And I don't need to be a part of any of it. It's just like, here's the systems and processes to do it. But when someone screws around with you, I pop up out of nowhere. Like that's kind of, (laughs) kind of what I see happening this next year. And then maybe reevaluating. I kind of already am. What is 1 billion Chivesters really look like? Because I did create our app to essentially be sold off 
honestly, um, to another company who does the exact same thing, but they only focus on paper assets. So this is on solid uh, real assets and real estate. This needs to buy this one. This one just raised $60 million in a series B round and essentially is the same thing. So they'll, they'll come and buy us out or whatever, but um, putting those, those networks of women together that are in stocks and in, or well, in paper assets and real assets, when one sucks, go over here. When the other one sucks, go over here. Um, and being able to do what they're doing on their other platform where what they've done is pivoted to where invest a dollar. So it's like, if I can just have women seven, or sorry, one out of 7 billion people, 1 billion women invest a dollar, like more will invest more, some will invest five. So when I do the math and like for the amount of waitlist people I have for my crowdfund right now, if everyone puts in the minimum, I have 2 million bucks, boom, right away. Like, that's that's a done deal. So imagine doing that, but like with a dollar. I mean, Elevest is mm. doing it, so it's uh, possibly a new a new pivot on what does that one billion shevesters look like. That's that's awesome. I'm 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 intrigued just to watch your journey, uh, and I hope we can get you back on the show in yeah. a couple of years' time to see that you've sold out of all your businesses, you've gone away like Mark Zuckerberg, and now you're living on the beaches of Australia because you want to go back because it's a freaking awesome country, right? <laughs> no, the people there—that's that's what it's all about. Like I do have some. God, no, there look at look at these guys. You know, I went to Croatia like, with. They're just like I don't know. Like they're just they're just, they're so funny. Hey, you want to go get some recce? Like I don't know. They're they're a hoot. Like. We're all the same. All right. We're all the same. I can put it on it. I can put on my, my accent if oh, I need to uh, in a, in a uh, thick way. So, um, but look, look, I, I thank you so much for, 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 for sharing what the vision is. I really do but truly believe that you will achieve this. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk after we turn off uh, the podcast, how I can help you in a sincere way. Yeah. Um, but before we turn off the podcast, I do have a lightning round questionnaire that I want to get through. It, uh, it's called the top five investing tips. Ready to get into it? Yes. Question number one is, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Making sure I'm clear about the version of myself that I need to behave like and feel and be every day. So um, peaceful, proud, confident, influential in my generation. So those things I, for a long time, was just saying every day, but also now it's become part of my meditation, feeling it in my body. What does it feel like to be peaceful, proud, et cetera? And then behaving that way in my daily interactions with my team. Like, what can I do to be proud with them? What can I do if it's stressful to instead be calm? Like, like really just becoming that person that I know I'm going to be today instead of waiting till, you know, whenever. That's awesome. Like, uh, nearly... Um uh, like picturing that person you want to be and then going and acting on those actions because you know if you have those actions, you will become that person, right? Mm-hmm. So, love that. Question number two is what's the most influential tool in your business? And when I say a tool, it could be a phone or a journal, so it's a physical tool, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? I think Buffer. Um, it's buffer. something that we use that, for example, if I want to get a message out on something coming up that you can – go do with us, you know, we'll do one media post and then you just put it on buffer. And I've got like 15 community pages on Facebook, like two profiles, like a bazillion pages and every single media profile you have, you push it one button and it goes everywhere. So, love it. and you can also schedule it. So if you're like, Hey, use these two posts alternating every other day. And that's why you see me so much because we just schedule it out. I go, here's two versions of the post post one every other day, schedule it out for 30 days. 
then I'll go run a report at the end of the month and see like, what is the top performing and then do that one every day or whatever. So Grant Cardone does Love the it. same thing when you, when you funnel hack his stuff, you can, you can kind of see like what, what they keep running for long-term. Those are the ads that he, ha- he uses that the copy and the, the images and the colors people are attracted to. So you could create that. I have also done that. A lot of that is, is finding awesome. those people that are out there getting click funnels going to get their, um, each funnel page has a URL. You can literally copy it and put it into your click funnel. You got to redo all the pictures, images, CSS code, all that stuff. You can't have any of their copyrights, any of that stuff, but you know, it's just the general template and colors and things that you would pay somebody like at least $5,000 to come in and create stuff like that for you. Love it. Buffer. I'm going to definitely check that out. Computer in your buffer. Uh, question number three is, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Maybe we already mentioned her earlier. You know, there's there's two people um, in my career. Uh, so my grandma gave me a foundation of, um, as a person, that even if I decided to go live in a camper, which I actually might do, I'm kind of considering doing that. Uh, she'd still love me. She'd still think I'm awesome. She'd still be like, well, what's next? Like, what are you going to do with the freedom from all your stuff? You know, um, but the people in business that have been really influential, um, there's somebody as named Will, that was someone that was in multifamily when I first was in the broker agent world. And they were kind of uh, shy and kind of like, like data science type personality gets in front of a room of people and is kind of like, I don't want to be here right now, but I do need to share that because of my market uh, intelligence and my ability to listen to other people and make friends in other industries and be more like a globalist uh, living overseas, really getting a picture of what's going on in the world and not just uh, that person had been very successful with his investors money. And not only that, but kind of leveraged his celebrity to do good and do some angel investing, um, fixing kids um, that had cleft palate and knowing that I wanted to get women and mothers out of abuse uh, in the same way that I did by having a clean space, clean headspace, um, having enough cash flow to do a little bit, and then uh, getting opportunities from relationships and good credit, et cetera. I can use my you know, celebrity for, for doing the same thing. So that person showed me it was possible. And then I met them. And then even now, because they're now more into the, um, the blockchain or the Bitcoin world, and I've recently gotten into smart contracts and we're spending time in Miami. So we kind of run into each other. But point is, is that person always keeps learning and they always keep trying to figure out ways to be innovative and uh, ask questions. And uh, I do like that. So that person's been very influential even now. I don't copy what they do, but I, but I like that they keep pushing and keep asking questions, keep maintaining some kind of profit and being kind of that person's always for the last 20 years been ahead of the curve when it comes to predicting profitability with anything that they're doing. And they're very open-minded too. So we've talked about being able to reuse um, heat energy, you know, that comes off of our compressors or comes off of, what is it called out in West Texas, whenever you're fracking oil, uh, the, the little uh, the drilling, the, the burn yeah, yeah. Off fire yep. spouts or whatever, that you can actually take the energy from that and mine Bitcoin with it. You know what I mean? It, so there's all kinds of possibilities. And I like that someone already thinks like that. So that's been very influential. And then their partner was actively flipping multifamily. And so that person allowed me to see it with my own eyes, put my hands on the supplies, learn how to underwrite real time. You know, when I would make stupid decisions, like, oh my God, this deal looks so great. They're like, okay, great. We'll go drive out there and go figure out why it's a crap deal. And you didn't do enough due diligence that they just gave me an opportunity to really hands-on learn. And, you know, I'll never forget that. So ideas, scaling a big business, creating like this other person created a supply company that vertically integrated, they sold off. Like, 
So the possibilities and then the, um, the learning, both of those people were very influential. And they're very kind at the same time. I've never seen them mistreat anybody, ever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you to those people uh, who've been influential in your career. Uh, question number four, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure? Oh, my God. The, the funny phrase uh, or like the cliche phrase of uh, trust but verify, uh, I would say mm-hmm. that the biggest failure so far had 100% come from that, from me believing that other people are as honest or want good for other people or give people the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, when you're exposed with something that's bad in your life that you're having to, you didn't ask for it, that, that they're not going to step over you or on you and take advantage of the situation that definitely exists, but um, it it came down to me. Number one, what did I do to attract that person? And number two, why was I so desperate or why was I so excited? Which is usually my my problem is I get so excited about you know things that I know I can create that I totally overlooked like what this person is about, what their values are about, how they treat other people, their their a lot of things. So now now I know it's essentially all about um, time and ask people like if they happen to stay in the same industry in my situation, this person hopped industries. And so like, I didn't know how to go and verify cross check someone from the it world. I didn't know how to, I, I could have just asked for a resume, I suppose, but like, you know, normally we don't do that. So uh, when you take on a newbie, you know uh, there is, there are some ways that you can check them instead of saying, Oh, F it, let's just do it. And uh, that's why I created Big Sister Security, because it's a deep data research company that essentially, if you wanted to know up front, like, what is this person motivated by? What is their entire online footprint for their entire life? Even things that are hidden on the dark web. What are the things that they've done in their past careers? Who have they screwed? Like everything I can find out now. But a lot of that, or I'd say half of it, if you just give a year to two to two years of time of like traveling with someone else or really like being in their world, if they'll let you in and you just have to pay attention to the actions and not the words and they'll, they'll show you who they are. So it just, it takes time. And then, you know, verification as well, because a financial relationship, that was another big lesson is that is different. It's really not, but I, I had never, I've never been married before. So I had never lived in a relationship where it was a financial relationship to where that person could destroy your entire, everything you've ever built and the roof over your head and taken away the ability for you to go buy a house and move into it. And, and just because they're mad, you know, mm-hmm. and um, in a dating relationship, I had never been in that situation because it's like, well, it just doesn't work. You just kind of go your separate ways in a business partnership. It very much so is a financial relationship. And so taking that time to, verify. And I'm happy to teach anyone listening to this how to verify because they don't teach you that in school. They don't teach you that in real estate. Nobody knows. It's just because I have a security company that I've figured it out. That's awesome. I thank you for sharing that with me and going in that next level because I think that is um, part of any lesson is, is is trust but verify. But I love the big sister security. I really do love all your branding around what you've created. So Awesome stuff. Last question is, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? Yeah, go to apart- uh, theapartmentqueen.com. Uh, there's a cool button called Find Your Perfect Investment, and that can walk you through exactly how to figure that out. Or if you'd like to email us, it's admin, A-D-M-I-N, at theapartmentqueen.com. Awesome stuff. Look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think first and foremost, your ability, you mentioned earlier, and I think you hit the nail on the head about a lot of people who I interview on the show, is continuing to be curious. That is so important in this 
world as we continue to evolve as entrepreneurs. I do like what you've built in terms of each piece of the puzzle will feed off one another. So your ecosystem is extremely important. And for everyone listening out there, I talk about ecosystems all the freaking time. It's important because you need things to operate uh, harmoniously. And it's not just about the one thing, i.e. the multifamily. It's also about having the supply chain. It's also about having property management or asset management to, 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 to make the table more stable. And then I also thank you for being so vulnerable with your story and how you've come full circle and you're working on yourself as a human um, to be better because from the outside, it looks like you're crushing it. But, but thank you for being, being vulnerable and sharing that you've still got things that you're working on personally, because yeah. it takes a lot to admit that. And I just, I wish you all the best and, did I leave anything out in that summary? No, I mean, the last thing that you said, 100%, I'm even still doing continuing education classes on like power in the zone right now because we tend to be really good at one thing and then kind of let other things die. And mm-hmm. those things could be your health and your your marriage and your relationships with whatever. So it's you're always got to kind of like try to, try to work on something and, and be curious of how we can be better. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, look, thank you again so much for jumping on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you, Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Kelly. Please head over to theapartmentqueen.com if you want to be in her sphere and understand all the cool things that she's got going on over there. All the links from today's show will be on my website at reedgoosens.com. I want to thank you all for taking the de- some time out of your day to continue to grow your financial IQ because it's what we're all about here on this show. And if you do like this show, please give the show a five-star review. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.